0: My name is Daniel Yelverton. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm so glad that you are joining us this morning. If uh, you're a first-time guest, we wanted to say a special welcome to you. Uh, If you're just joining us, or if you weren't here last week, we just started a series called Let's Fight. And before you jump to conclusions, there's not going to be a brawl up here. There's no cage match that's going to take place this morning, uh, at least not physically. But... um, But really what we wanted to do is we wanted uh, to equip you, we wanted to equip ourselves on the resources that we have, the weapons that we have available to us. You see, because it's obvious around us, right? It's obvious that there is conflict around us, that there's brokenness around us, that our world has brokenness in it. There's nations against nations, people against people. There's conflict within our homes, there's conflict within our schools, there's conflict... In our workplaces. And often we can expend so much effort and energy in fighting the wrong enemy. And so this morning, and throughout this entire series, we want to learn how to fight. We want to know who the real enemy is. And we want to use the tools and the resources that we have through our amazing King Jesus. You see, it says in Ephesians 6.12, it says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You're not my enemy. Your ex-spouse is not your enemy. The enemies of our country are not our enemies. We don't have flesh and blood enemies. But we do have enemies. We have evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now that last phrase can be kind of confusing. What Paul is referring to is the heavenly places. He's talking about the spiritual realm. He's talking about the, the air around us. That there's battles being waged on us that are unseen. And they're fighting for our very soul and allegiance. And so before I really go any further, I really just want to pray over our time here. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit just enlightens us, gives us wisdom, gives us eyes to see what's really going on around us, but also how we can fight. Heavenly Father, I proclaim right now that you are a good dad. You are a good father. You've always been good to us. You've pursued us ever since we've fallen away. Before you created the world, you saw us and you loved us. Jesus, thank you so much for everything you did for us. That you did, you lived the life we were supposed to live. And then you died in our place. You gave us your right standing with God and you took our standing with God and died in our place. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill us with your presence. May we feel the peace and the comfort that comes from your presence. I speak against condemnation in the name of Jesus. Reveal your truth. May we see you, God, for who you are. See your great love for us, and may we respond in a way that honors and worships you. In your name, amen. So last week... Uh, Phil introduced, Pastor Phil introduced our series, Let's Fight, and we wanted to focus on four different resources and things that we would use, tools that we would use to wage war and that are being waged against us. And the first is truth, and that might seem a little odd that we would use truth, truth as a resource, but at our core, what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about other people matters and shapes everything that we do your perception of who you are whether you feel like you're loved or not well you will respond and live out of that your perception of god and who you think he is is he a good father is he bad why does he allow bad things to happen that will shape the way you respond not only to god but how you respond to others in your situations And so there's a constant battle going on for truth. So Pastor Phil said we have a real battle. And we have a real enemy. Satan's main characteristic is that he is the father of lies. His desire is that we would align ourselves with his lie and live out of that. But we have a real victor. And that's Jesus. So where does our truth come from? Pastor Phil said that we can get truth from our Heavenly Father through his word. We get truth through the person of Jesus. We look and see Jesus' life, and we see exactly, because he was the embodiment of grace and truth. We get it from the Holy Spirit. It says that the spirit of truth, that Jesus was going to send that, and he would be able to help us discern what is the difference between right and wrong. And we also receive truth from gatherings just like this, where we have other believers that are following Jesus so we can encourage one another and help one another follow Jesus. And the last question that Pastor Phil gave us last week, and I've been wrestling with this all week, is that who has the right to tell you who you are? Because there's a lot of competing voices for that. There's a lot of competing voices for that right. But who really has the right to tell you who you are? Take our world, for example. If you buy a pair of shoes... Say so you buy a pair of Nikes, hopefully they don't blow out on you, you know, and you hurt your knee. Sorry. But if you buy a pair of Nikes, they made those shoes, so they get to label it. They get to put their name on it. What about my iPhone? I bought this, right? So I can put my name on it. I can, I can be dazzle it to my heart's content. It's not, just in case you have any questions. Um, but I have the ability to do that because I bought it. The, The things in my home are things that I own. Pastor Phil can't come in there and start putting Phil all over my stuff. That's weird. I had to kick him out. It was weird. He doesn't have the right to label my stuff. Who has the right to label you? I think it's the one who made you. I think it's the one who bought you. And I think it's the one, when I say who owns you, means that you're his. You're his child. See, I feel like that is the person that has the right to label us. And this is why the battle for truth is so important. Because as we think... In our heart, so we are, it says that in Proverbs twenty-seven, uh, four. As we think in our heart, so we are. And everything that we believe about ourselves, it shapes us. And like I said, we have many competing voices for that. So whose voice are you going to listen to? Who is going to tell you who you are and what is truth? Because. God gave us this really amazing gift. He gave us the ability to choose truth. He gave us the ability to decide what we can believe is the truth and what is untrue or what is a lie. And God designed us so that we would choose him and find fulfillment in him because that's what he made us for. He made us to experience his goodness and his love. And when we rejected that, he did everything to buy us back so that we could be his. But the problem started early on. Romans 1.25 says that we, they, us, we traded the truth about God for a lie. And we worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. You see, there was a, an exchange of truth in the very beginning. We traded, Adam and Eve traded the truth about God for a lie. And when we say worship here, it's not just what we did on stage. That's a part of worship. But worse, what worship is, is, is worship is assigning worth to something. Worth is, worship is saying that's worth it. That's worth my devotion. That's worth my energy. That's worth my time. That's worth my effort. That's worth me sacrificing for. That's what worship is. And so when we traded the truth for a lie, we begin to have misplaced worship. And I want you guys to come back next week. Pastor Phil is going to talk about how we use worship as a way of fighting. You need to come back for that. It's going to be a great, great sermon. And so we traded the truth about God for a lie and worshiped things that were created instead of God. You see, what we did is we assigned other things the value of God. We gave God status to the wrong things. And it's been our enemy's goal since the beginning to tell us what is truth and where we should find that God's status, that worth. So come with me. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 6. So this is after Satan has convinced Eve that God is holding out on her. That he's actually lied to her. That, that she won't die, but instead she'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And it says that she was convinced. She saw that the tree was was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. There was something desirable here. And so she took some of the fruit and she ate it and she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they felt the shame of their nakedness. You see at the very end of chapter two, it said in the beginning that Adam and Eve were naked, but they felt no shame. Something shifted though. And they felt the shame of their nakedness. And so they, sew, they sewed fig, we, fig leaves together to cover themselves. And in the, cool, in the cool evening breeze was blowing, a man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid from him among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, he says, "'Where are you?' And he replied, "'I heard you walking in the garden, "'and so I hid, and I was afraid because I was naked.'" And God said, who told you that you were naked? And I think that this is a question that God has been asking humanity ever since. Who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Because I made you, and you felt no shame, and you felt no guilt. You were clothed completely by my love. Who told you that? So, if you'll allow me, I, I want to tell a little bit about my story. You see, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and I was the youngest of three. And, yeah, I drove my family crazy. We, um, we had to go to a family psychiatrist because of me, and I... Uh, <laughs> A little footnote. And, um, and I was convinced that I was the boss of the family as a four-year-old. And uh, my sister told me later on in life that uh, she was so glad that I grew up because she didn't think I could ever, she could ever possibly handle living with me. And even though she meant well, and I love my sister, started... Attaching a label to myself about who I was was annoying, a nuisance. You know, and then I remember this very distinctly. I was exposed to pornography at an early age. And not even knowing it, almost as quickly as it hit Adam and Eve, shame came over me. And so I labeled myself shameful. Oh, and then guilt came in too. And I just would see it in the mirror every single day. That shame, that guilt. And every time I would look in the mirror when I would see the label, I started to hate myself. Hate the person that I had become. Choices that I was making because I was going to church. And I was in youth group, and I was a leader in youth group. And I had two different lives. I had a duality with me. I was had a conflict going on inside my heart. So I was a hypocrite. And so when I was 17, I was done with it. It's like I'm I'm not I can't do this anymore. I can't trust you, God. I don't like this. I don't like how I feel. So I'm just going to walk away. God, I don't think you're good. So I made a label for God. Not good. And I tried to attach it to God. You know, and then I said, He's he's holding out on me. Because I wanted the best. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be Totally satisfied. I wanted to experience all the pleasures that I thought I couldn't get with God, so you're holding out on me. So then I just abandoned it altogether. But the funny thing is that the labels didn't go away, they stuck with me. So then I went to college, and I was like, I'm going to experience life to the fullest which means I didn't go to class at all. So I'm lazy. And you can imagine, if you don't go to class, you don't work hard and you party five to six days a week, you're going to fail. I failed out of school three times. And then my parents who were helping me out with school They said, you know what, Daniel? Sometimes you have to cut off a bad investment. So I got cut off. And you know what? I love my dad, and he was making the right choice. And I don't fault him for that at all. But instead of receiving God's truth in that situation, I heard the lie of the enemy that said, you're not worth it. And then, if I'm trying to enjoy every part of life. I'm going to be in and out of relationships. I'm going to just look out for myself. And so I hurt a lot of people. There's cheater. The things that I did to people, that's unforgivable. So I couldn't trust myself. you know what? I got hurt too. And so I started giving labels to other people. I can't trust you. You're not safe. I got to keep you at arm's length. And man, if anybody really saw who I was, they'd run and hide. So I got to hide too. And every time I'd look in the mirror, this is what I would see. Then God, then mm. God broke through with His great love, and He told me, Daniel, who told you that? Who told you all of these things? Was it the one who made you? Moses, the one who bought you, and the one who <clears throat> has you for his own and invites you into his family. You see, I exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and that opened me up to every lie in the book to tell me who I was. And man, when I was twenty-six. <sighs> I fell to my knees in my apartment and I said, I receive your love. I receive it. And I receive your truth. Because all of this was my truth, was the truth that I was thinking about myself, the truth that I was thinking about God, the truth that I was thinking about others. And I was living my life based on this truth of who I was. But you know what the truth of Jesus is? The truth of Jesus says that if you know the truth, if you know me, that truth will set you free. And for the first time in my life, I believed the truth. I was no longer a slave to any of these labels. To anything that the enemy or I would say about myself You see, it says this in John 8.34, it says that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And what I did was that when I pursued my own happiness, I made that God worth. That became my ultimate goal, satisfaction in life. I needed that and i would sacrifice everything for that i would sacrifice relationships i would sacrifice my dignity i would sacrifice my purity i would sacrifice my family for that but what happened was i became a slave to that and you know what's amazing thing about a bad slave master is they will always overpromise and they will never deliver that they will always promise that they are going to make you happy, that that's going to make you satisfied. You'll, you'll be able to make your own decisions. You'll live your own life. You're going to know what's best for you. If you look out for number one, you're going to live the best life. Man, that was not the best life, it over promised and very much under delivered. But you know what? That day when I was 26, there was a funeral. It says in Colossians 3 that for you died to this life, and now my real life is hidden in Christ. These old labels were falling off. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says that we, you, you were dead Because of your sins, because of your sinful nature has not been cut away. Then God made you alive. He made you alive with Christ. How? He forgave all of your sins. You know what? He canceled every record of charge against me, and He took it away by nailing it to a cross. I love this. And in this way, he disarmed. Think about that. Think about a foe that's disarmed. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly with his victory over them on the cross. John eight thirty six, who the son sets free. He's free indeed. He's free indeed. <clears throat> you guys, these lies, these labels, what we've perceived about ourselves by what other people have told us, these things that we've thought about got we, our circumstances Maybe we've changed the way we viewed God based on our circumstances. Maybe because other people have hurt you, you no longer can trust people. You no longer can forgive people. All of that has been disarmed at the cross of Jesus. Jesus shamed it publicly. You know how he shames it publicly? Because when you live out truth, you shame it You shame every single lie that the enemy has brought against you. And this is what Jesus did for us. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is reconciling all of humanity to God. He's made peace between us and God by his sacrifice on the cross. You see, this is why truth and the battle for truth is so important because if we don't start, if our baseline is not on the work of Jesus, then we are going to try everything that we can to make peace with ourselves and peace with God. We're going to trust our good works. We're going to set our own standard for what good is. And then we're not even going to meet our standard. How often does that happen when we say we should do these things and we don't do them 100% of the time? You see, the foundation, if we rebuild it off of these lies, then we're just going to end up disappointed, broken, confused. Jesus has come to set us free. And now that we've been set free, the sole purpose now of the enemy is to convince us that we are not free. That we can't trust God. That we are the same person that we were before. You see, he'll constantly throw accusations at us. Romans, uh, sorry, not Romans. Revelations 12.10 says that he is the accuser of the brethren. He is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. And he wants nothing more than to see your destruction. And he will masquerade it like it's all for you, that you're getting what's best. So what do we do? What do we do now? What do we do now that the sun has set us free? As I said earlier, that as we think in our heart, so we are. And so the battlefield for truth doesn't happen on Facebook. The battlefield for truth happens in our hearts and minds and that's why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 he says for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh we're not fighting against flesh and blood the one that hurts you as much as it may seem like it they're not your enemy Our weapons, our warfare, are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So that means that every time a thought comes into our mind, we capture that thought. Now what's interesting is that it doesn't say that all of your thoughts will always be a pure 100% of the time. That's not realistic. We don't have control of the initial thought that comes into our mind. However, when the thought appears, we take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. So let's say, let's say I let my boss, Pastor Phil, down. Never happens, by the way. It means pristine. So let's say that happens, hypothetically. And the thought pops in my head. There you go again. You are failing. You are disappointing. You are letting him down. That thought, I capture it. I capture this thought. And then I look at it. And I'm saying, who told me this? Who is telling me this? Does this sound like the voice of King Jesus? Because when Jesus said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it sounds a lot like condemnation. You know what? I don't think this is truth. I think this is a lie. Now, I know what you may be saying okay, this sounds absolutely exhausted and we're going to look like crazy people when we're always like walking around. (laughs) So I get it. So here's a tip that I have for you. How does somebody who can detect counterfeit money, if somebody's giving you a counterfeit $100 bill, What's the best way to discover that it's counterfeit? Well, you guys already know the answer. (laughs) Yep. If you try to study every variant, every possible, uh, I guess, difference, you're going to miss something. But if you study one thing, if you study the real thing, then you will always be able to detect the fake you will always be able to detect the counterfeit. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 10, and it's cool because it's our chapter for the day. Verses 1 through 5, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Meaning that there's people that are going to try to have access to who we are, tell us who we are, and they're coming in the wrong way. They're jumping the fence, and they they don't have the right to do that. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So the one that left his throne, came here, lived a life that we were supposed to live, and then died on our behalf, he's the one that has the right access. And the gatekeeper opens the gate. For him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and they lead him out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, guiding them. So they will follow him because they know his voice, but they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. To discern truth, we have to tune our ears to the voice of Jesus. There is so much chatter about what truth actually is. But if we tune our heart and our mind to the voice of Jesus, we will know the truth. We will know who God is because Jesus revealed God to us. He was God in the flesh. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. We will know our value because he was full of grace and truth. We will know how to treat others because he modeled it every single day. He can be trusted because he was willing to lay down his life for you. What other things would do that? And so John 10, 27 through through 29, it says, the sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than everything else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. So how do we discern the voice of Jesus? Pastor Phil brought it to us last week. We discern the voice of Jesus through the word through the written accounts, through the eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, we listen to the word of the Father. We discern Jesus' voice by seeing his life, by reading about his life. We discern Jesus' voice through the Holy Spirit because Jesus said that when he was going to go, that he was going to send the Spirit. The Spirit was going to guide us in all truth and give us the words to say, help us, help direct our lives. But this is not, this is not a solo sport. We hear the voice of Jesus through others that are following Jesus. You have to be connected with people that are following Jesus. When you've got 50 voices all shouting at you, and one of those voices is Jesus... Are you really going to be able to pick it out? And so we need to tune our mind and heart to the voice of Jesus because he's the good shepherd. He laid his life down for us. And we need to take captive all of these thoughts. We need to ask these thoughts, who, who told you? Who are you coming from? Because all of those labels... Jesus made them null and void at the cross. So if the band comes up, I want to close with this. That there's a war going on over truth. The truth about who God is, what he says about you and me, and his great love for other people. John 1 said that Jesus is full of grace and truth and that he canceled our debt on the cross. Do you believe that? Do you believe that all of your sins are paid for on the cross? Because there's a there's a really subtle lie of the enemy that says that you still aren't forgiven. That you your stuff is too bad. You gotta suffer for what you've done. You see, at the cross Jesus dismantled all of the lies about ourselves, but also he dismantled all the lies about our Father. He revealed God's great love for us by everything that He did on the cross. And because of that great love, now we can truly love other people. We can serve other people. We can forgive others. I think we really need to understand that since we've been truly forgiven, that everything that we could possibly have done to deserve what we got, Jesus paid for it all. And I'm not trying to minimize the situation, but no matter how great the wound is, we can't pick and choose who God gives forgiveness to. We can't pick and choose. His goodness is for all people. His grace is for all people. His mercies are for all people. There's nothing that makes us necessarily greater than anyone else. It's just the fact that God has thrown his love on all of humanity. So we must forgive others. We can lay our life down for other other people because now we're hidden in Christ. Do you believe this? Because if you believe this, we live differently out of these beliefs. Take these thoughts captive. You've got people that are living in your, you've got thoughts, you've got rulers, you've got authorities, you've got things that are living in your mind that do not belong there. Take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. And when something comes at you, shame. Shame. No, I'm a child of God. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Same old you. No. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You have made it made new in Christ. You're just gonna let people down. Disappointment. never change. Not only that, any labels you try to put on God won't stick either. He's not holding out on you. Did you know that every good and perfect gift comes from God? Did you know that it says that God is pleased to give you the kingdom? Did you know that it was God's great pleasure that he would bring you back to himself? If he he didn't withhold his son, would he... You? He's not good. He's always been good. He's always been faithful. He loves us. He did everything for us. He came to set you free. Who the Son has set free. Who the Son has set free who the Son has set free is free indeed. Do you live like this? Do you believe this? Do you know this to be true? Because this is everything. You're going to live your life based on this. You're going to treat your family, your spouse, you're going to treat your kids like this. You're going to work be- like this. Are you truly free because of what Jesus has done for you? Because that's available to you. and only through Jesus and we have everything full access to the Father full access to all of the grace and love that we desire it's through Jesus he is worth it he's worthy of worship no one has ever done what he has done for you and continues to do you know he's interceding on your behalf right now in heaven for you. That's Jesus. He's worth it. He's worth it. So will you stand with me and let's show that He's worth it. Let's worship Him by the way we sing, but by the way we live, let's live with the truth of God in our hearts and minds. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you that you've set me free. These labels, they don't have any power on me. They don't have power on anyone here. We are free child of God. God, help us to live like this. Help us to live knowing, knowing that we are truly yours. Nothing, no one can snatch us from your hands. We love you, Jesus. It's only because of your name and only because of your work that we can boldly thank God and humbly thank you for all that you've done. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.